listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. But I want to share some thoughts with you tonight out of 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to be, we're, we're, I'm not going to read it through, but I'm going to be drawing your attention to different verses as we, as we go through this chapter. In fact, we're going through from verse 1 to 20, 22, maybe skip one or two verses. You know, we had an awesome weekend last weekend with Jerry Hunt. And Jerry Hunt titled one of his messages, Christians in Crisis. I want to title my message tonight, Christians in Tribulation. Christians in Tribulation. You know, I'm not so flamboyant as Jerry. I don't have all the facial expressions and and all the, the moves that Jerry has, but I'm just going to be me tonight, okay? But... Oh, didn't we have a wonderful weekend? And I believe that uh, uh, if, even if you weren't here, there, I believe there are CDs outside on the product table uh, available for you to take with you. Take these CDs. They will be an absolute blessing to you. I wonder whether we can just pray together before I just continue. Father, we just thank you tonight as we totally abandon ourselves to you, as I just release myself into the power of your spirit into the flow of your spirit tonight. I ask for your anointing tonight. I ask that you'll cause every heart to be opened, that you'll create such a desire to receive your word tonight in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we vow to give you all the praise and glory for anything and everything that happens tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we look at this second chapter of this second book of Corinthians, when we read this first chapter in Second Corinthians, we, this, we see this and sense the sincerity that's evident in Paul's heart for the church in Corinth. He opens with a greeting and affirms his position in Christ and his purpose for his calling. He says, he, has an, he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I don't know about you, but I believe the happiest man on the face of the earth is the man that's walking and living in the center of God's will. And I really believe that when salvation comes into our lives, when we give our hearts totally to the Lord, I believe we then enter the will of and the purposes of God for our life. And that should make you and I the happiest people on the face of the earth. I don't know whether I'm speaking to you tonight, but 
my hands are up. I'm one of the happiest men, man, on, on the, one of the, I'm one of the happiest men on the face of God's earth tonight because I know that I'm walking in the center and living in the center of God's will. And this is what Paul says. You know, he affirms his position in Christ and his purpose for his calling. And he says, I'm apostle. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the church of God, which is at Corinth. But not just at Corinth, but to everywhere where God's church is. His church today covers the whole earth. His church is here in Hatsis, where life starts, where love happens, and where purpose is revealed. It's not a building of concrete carpet and furnishings. It's you and I. We are the church. You are the church that Jesus died for, that Jesus went to the cross for. His church consists of people born again and washed in the blood of Jesus. You see, we can only be a member of the family of God if we're born again by the Spirit of God. And you know, Jesus died that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died for the whosoever, for everyone. I don't know whether you're here tonight and, uh, and you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never come into a relationship with him. You can accept him tonight. You can become one of the happiest people on the face of the earth. And you can be a part of what God calls his church, you and I. You know, we're set apart for his glory. We're set apart for his purposes. You know, God's church is a church that is blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but this church is a blessed church. You know, we have, a, we have an awesome family. We, 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 we love being together. You know, it's a blessing to come and, and share together, to socialize together. But it's a blessing beyond that to be able to enter into the presence of the Lord together and just worship the Lord and just sense the, the moving of His presence and His Spirit reaching down and touching us, reaching down and meeting people's needs. That's what happens in the church of Jesus Christ today. That is a church that is led by the Spirit. And this church is a church that is led by the Spirit. This church is a blessed church. And I'm, I'm so excited to be part of this blessed church. Can I hear an Amen. Oh my goodness, this is a blessed church and, and I love church. I want to tell you this, that church is a safe place. This church is a safe place where we can feel loved and, and, and where we can feel cared for. You know, I believe the church is the finest institution of people on the face of the earth because it's God's church and God's people. But that doesn't go without saying that there are not going to be challenges and difficulties and trials and persecutions and tribulation that each one of us have to go to go through and face you know both my hands are up I've been through many trials I've been through many troubles I've been and suffered many tribulations but you know God has always been faithful people speaking tonight about you may have a broken heart tonight but there's a person here in the name of Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit that can heal your broken heart tonight. You know, I've been healed. I've been restored. I've been marvelously helped. You know, God has been my refuge. 
and strength, you know, when I've been going through trouble. And I know it's your testimony tonight that when you've been going through it, God is a refuge. God is a rock for you that you can, you can be anchored to, that you can find hope in, that you can find your peace in, in the name of Jesus. Jesus said that we would have to go through many trials and tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. He says grace and peace from verse 2. He says, this is Paul speaking again. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for God's mercy. God had mercy on me. I was a sinner. But I'm a sinner saved by grace tonight. And I'm so thankful for the mercies of God. You know, we used to sing a, a hymn many, many years ago. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, I thank you. I thank God for the mercy that was extended to me through Calvary and from Calvary. And you know what? It's still being extended. It's still ever flowing to me and to you. The mercies of God from Calvary. Oh, doesn't it make you want to just say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, for your abundant mercy. He's the Father Paul says of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, in all of our tribulation. And I was meditating on this just a, about two weeks, two or three weeks ago, and, and, and I was intrigued by this word, so I thought I'd do a little bit of a word study, and I, I looked into the Greek and, and, and discovered what the word what the word tribulation mean in the Greek language. And the Greek word is thlipsis, thlipsis. It means persecution, affliction, distress, pressure, something that constricts or rubs together, used of a narrow place that hems somebody in. Tribulation, especially eternal pressure, that causes someone to feel confined and restricted, without options. Affliction, anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation and trouble. You may not want to equate your circumstances with tribulation, but I'm sure I've mentioned something tonight that you can raise your hand and say, yes, I've experienced that or I'm experiencing that right now. Have you ever heard of someone saying to you, I'm between a rock and a hard place? How many times have we heard that? Where there's no way of escape, completely hemmed in. Completely hemmed in. Paul here is saying in verse 3, praises and blesses God. He has suffered much tribulation from outside, out, outward circumstances. I don't know anybody as I read the... the the New Testament or even the Old Testament that have suffered in any way as much as what the Apostle Paul had suffered. You know, if there's anyone who ever, who had an opportunity to complain and be critical, it was Paul. 
and to be unthankful, but his attitude to all that was, bless God. Bless God. Praise God. Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of of Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. He focuses on God and on the purpose for which God had called him. You know, I believe as we, as we look at these early verses in this second chapter of Corinthians, you know, I believe each one of us can learn a lesson here tonight. You know, about attitude and how to have a God attitude when we are experiencing affliction and tribulation. How often do we have a good old self-attitude? How many times do we meet people where they haven't got such a God attitude, but they've got a self-attitude? You feel, you feel instead of a, a positive response, you, you, you get a negative response, and, and, and sometimes you get a, a very, very negative and heart-wrenching, heart-rending story. How, how often do we get offended? Some of us, we can get so easily offended by people. People will offend us. I'm not going to speak to him or her anymore. I'm not going back to that church. How many times have we heard that? People get offended at church. Amongst the happiest people on earth. But that's life. But people do get offended and and, and we've heard the story many times. I'm not going back to that church. There's no love there. No one has called me from the church. Nobody really cares when I've been away or when circumstances have been so difficult for me. And it goes on, but Paul says, bless, and, and bless God and glory to God when you are suffering persecution and going through the mill. Paul says in verse 5, there is consolation, abounding consolation in Christ, hope, encouragement, and grace to comfort us and to give us peace and to lift us out of self-attitude to an attitude of praise and thanksgiving to our God. Paul says in verse 6, if we are afflicted, I want to tell you this, afflictions will come. Afflictions will will come. None of us will ever be exempt from afflictions. Paul says, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Wow! You'd think the reverse, wouldn't you? But Paul says it's for your consolation and salvation. And when we look at the word salvation, the meaning of the word salvation here encapsulates every aspect of need that you and I will ever have from the time you accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior till you meet him face to face. He is able to meet every one of your needs. He's able to take care of every one, every one of your problems and every one of your difficulties. David says, I think in Psalm 33, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. God hasn't saved us 
to keep us bound in affliction, in tribulation, and in troubles, and in despair. God has given us a consolation in Christ Jesus that is able to lift us, that is able to help us, that is able to deliver us, that is able to free us completely. He delivers. We have a choice to be delivered or remain in our affliction. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just amazed at people who seem to love their afflictions. They seem to love all the trouble. They seem to love all the tribulation. Why do I say this? Because they're not prepared to do anything about it to get out of it. You know, Jerry spoke last Sunday morning about getting things in the right perspective, getting things in order when things are out of order in our lives. You know, the word of the Lord comes to each and every one of us in a loving and a caring way that we can put things back in order again. Not being beaten down and condemned and criticized and demeaned, but being loved and being lifted, being helped into the purposes of God, into the freedom of God, into the freedom of a living, loving lifestyle which only the Holy Spirit can give us. Choose to be free. Choose to be delivered. Don't choose to stay in bondage. If you're in bondage to anything in your life, don't choose to stay there. Don't choose to accept it. Let the Holy Spirit lift you out of it. Let the Holy Spirit take you from it. Let the Holy Spirit remove it out of your life. And it can only happen through the consolation that we have in Christ. And I want us to look at this word consolation. Paul speaks of it in verse 5 and 6. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. You know, Christ is not something that's absolutely dead within us. The life of Christ is alive in us. It's pulsating in us. And once we were dead, but now we're alive in Christ because Christ's life is in us. And you know, the Bible says, Paul says that this consolation is alive in us and it's abounding in us. In other words, this consolation wants to get out, it wants to get up, and it wants to start attacking the needs and all the troubles there is in our lives. This consolation. Paul says the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. You know, you can't do it yourself. I can't help myself. It's only the presence and the consolation of Christ that is able to save you, that is able to help you tonight. Salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 7, And our hope 
of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be of the consolation. Because as you are suffering in the consolation, you can be free from the sufferings. What does the word consolation mean? I looked up in the Greek the meaning of the word consolation. And do you know what it means? It means paraclesis. It's where we get the word paraclete. One who stands by our side or one who has been called by our side. It's nothing but the presence of the Holy Spirit. It refers to the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus spoke to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that, they would, that he would send a comfort to the Holy Spirit to be and work, to be and work with the disciples. He said that they would receive power after that the Holy Spirit had come upon them and they would be his witnesses. I believe the church is yet to be the greatest witness that Jesus Christ died for it to be. Amen. You know, I really believe that through the power and consolation and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can be the witness that God wants us to be. But, you know, outside of that, you know, we fall so short of the witness that the world is looking for, the witness that God wants us to be. The Holy Spirit is that consolation that Paul is referring to. It's our hope that whatever we are going through and whatever we are facing, we will be delivered. Hallelujah. Listen to what Paul says in verse 9 and 10. For we would not have you, brethren, ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead, who delivers us from so great a death and doth deliver us, in whom we trust that he will and yet will deliver us. You know, when I look back in my life, God has delivered me. Today, whatever I'm facing, I know that he will deliver me. And when I look into the future, you know, I know I haven't met the challenges of the future. I know I haven't met the troubles of the future or the tribulations of the future and all those difficult experiences. But I know that when I step into my future, every day God is with me and God will be my deliverer because he is my consolation. Hallelujah. Paul says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Have you ever felt it's all over? Have you ever faced, been faced with a situation you, you think and you feel it's, it's the end? There's no hope. I'm not going to make it. But Paul says our trust was not in ourselves, not in what we think, not in what we feel, not even in what we can say in a negative way, but he says our trust is in the Lord who raiseth the dead. 
You know, God, whatever circumstance or situation we will ever face, you know, God can raise it. God can resurrect it. If, if, if to us it seems dead and finished with, God can raise it back to life again. Remember the story of Lazarus when Mary and, and her sister Martha came to Jesus and they questioned Jesus why he delayed so long in coming when, when they sent word earlier that Lazarus was sick, but now Lazarus had died and he was, he was in the grave. And Mary said to him, if you had only been here, my brother would have lived. But Jesus said to Mary, you know, that he was the resurrection and the life. If only she could believe in him, her brother would be raised back to life again. And in short, you know the story. God spoke into that dead tomb. God spoke into that tomb, into that place where Lazarus was dead and buried. And he commanded Lazarus to come forth. He spoke life. There was life in his words. And when he spoke them, when he released them, suddenly there was a sound, there was a movement, and, 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 and a figure came out of that tomb, bound. And Jesus gave the command for him to be re- loosed and, and set free. I want to tell you this. God can resurrect your dead places. God can resurrect your dead places if you will only trust and believe and not trust in yourself, not trust in what you feel is the end result. So many times we trust in ourselves and we wonder why we don't have any peace and why we're filled with so much despair when all of the time God has committed himself to our de- to be our deliverer and our consolation and our comforter. He is able to raise you and I from the depths of despair and hopelessness to a living hope in God. Can I hear an amen? He's a deliverer and he will still continue to be a deliverer. He's a healer and he will still continue to be a healer. He's a restorer and he will continue to be a restorer. He's a provider and he will continually be there to provide for you and for me. You know, the psalmist David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, he makes a statement there in Psalm 23. I shall not want. Because he's your provider, you can say that tonight. You can confess that. You can declare that over your life. I shall not want. I am not going to accept lack in any way, in any area of my life. I shall not want. I want to tell you this. He is still the God of tomorrow and the God of a great future for your life. So in all of this, I believe... You know, to get things in the right order and in the right perspective, you know, we need to renew our minds and live a lifestyle of believing by faith. Trusting God and believing His Word. Stop listening. Stop just listening and not hearing. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of the Lord. We hear that God is for us and not against us. We hear that God loves us and, and that we're not going to trust in ourselves. 
but in God who is our consolation, that third person of the Trinity, the paraclete, the comforter, the strengthener. That's who he is. That's who we worship. That's who we're all about tonight. He's the helper. Hallelujah. He's the life giver. He's the life changer tonight in Jesus' name. And as we look, as we jump to to verse 16 and 17, I want to paraphrase these two verses. Paul says in these verses that he had to change his decision to come to them at Corinth. He says in my flesh there was a yes to come, but with my decision change it had to be no. When I read this, I began to think of this and these two words, yes and no. How often do we, are we confronted with these two words every day? Yes, and then there's a no. You know, sometimes we are so fickle and we, we're so quick to say yes and, and deep down we know that the yes cannot be established. We have to say no. We have to make decisions and, and say no many times. You know, just this last few weeks when I've been home, I ended into a business relationship, only a very small business relationship with a particular person and, and everything with him was yes. Everything with him was great and everything with him was go ahead. And of course, with, 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 with great expense, I went ahead and made all the necessary arrangements and, 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 and got a surveyor to take care of all the surveys, etc. And when the t- time come for almost signing on a dotted line, the man completely denied that he wanted to take it forward. In the beginning, he said, yes, yes, we'll do it. It's great. This is what I want. But when the rubber hit the road, it was a no. And I was kind of upset with this and, and went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep. And when I'm troubled, when I feel that that spirit of despair just coming upon me, I have to get up and get into the Word and I have to pray because I have to find my freedom in Christ. I have to find my freedom in the Holy Spirit. And, and, I, and I went into another room and I just opened my Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I began to read of, of what I've shared with you tonight, all the troubles and the tribulation and all the perils that Paul had gone through and how he'd almost lost his life. And then I started reading further on, you know, in verse 16 and 17 about the yes and the no. And, and Paul says, in my flesh, he said, I, I, my first decision was yes, I wanted to come to you, but he said, I had to change the decision because of other circumstances, and I had to say no. I want to tell you this, no always disappoints, doesn't it? How many like to hear the no? You can't do it, you can't have it, you can't go there, or whatever. We love to hear the yes. Oh, the yes is always great. Great business opportunities, great 
great opportunities. Yes, opportunities. But because man is so fickle today, and you and I many times, you know we have to turn about and say no. We're faced with it every day. You know, that's man's attitude to life that we face. You know, when everything is going well, it's a yes, yes, and great. But soon as afflictions and troubles come, we see a no because we see impossibility. When we see, when we see a no, we see impossibility. Often what we see and feel we confess or declare. We can't seem to look beyond impossibility to possibility. And that's when we say no. There's no hope. It can't be done. It's finished. It's over. But Paul goes on to say in verse 20, God's promises are yes and amen. I want to tell you this tonight. There is no no in God. There's not a no in God according to his promises. When it comes to his promises, whatever you are facing, don't look at them through natural eyes, but through God's perspective. Natural fleshly, fleshly perspective will say no. It can't be done. It's useless. It's impossible. There's no hope. There's no way. There's no way out. It's over. But God's word says this, that the promises of God are yes and amen, which means so be it. In other words, God says, yes, it's the truth. So be it. Amen. That's the amen and what it means according to God's promises. I don't know what you're, 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 you're reaching out for. I don't know what you're believing for. But if it if it's part of, of God's promise for your life, it's a yes. It's a yes for you in the name of Jesus. Because there, Paul says there is no, there's not a no according to God's promises for your life. Because God wants you to be successful. And when Jesus died on, on the cross of Calvary, do you know what he was saying? Yes. Yes, it's not over. It's not, an, it's not a no. I'm dying. But I'm going to rise again. I'm going to live again. So that you can live. So that you can live in the, in the yes revelation. So that you can live in the yes lifestyle. So that you can live in the yes of your future. There's not one promise that says no. If we will believe and meet the conditions. You know, if you can bring your faith and connect it with God's yes for your situation, your affliction and for your tribulation, you will hear God say, yes, so be it unto you. In God's thoughts towards you, he is saying, yes, I will prosper you. I will not harm you. I will give you an expected end, 29, Jeremiah 29, 11. Even though the enemy says no, you are not going to make it. He fights to stop you from making it. He fights to stop you from coming to church. Because he knows that when you come to church, you're going to hear the yes. You're going to hear God's yes 
regarding your need, regarding your circumstances, regarding your situation, that there is a way out. There is a lifting. There is a releasing. There is an experience of coming in to freedom, coming into life, coming into peace, coming into the fullness of of the joy of the Lord. But because we are trusting in ourselves and thinking that we can work it out better than what God can do, that's when the enemy steps in to stop us from praying. He will stop us from reading his word. He forms weapons against you to destroy you, to stop you. He brings afflictions to harm you. He even uses people to offend you. He lays heavy burdens on your life to stop you and wants you to feel feelings of despair. That's just how the enemy works. And he brings that hopelessness hopelessness to destroy you and I. But the Bible says that Satan's devices against us will not prosper because God is our deliverer. You know, the Bible says there is a healing balm in Gilead. There is a consolation in Christ. If ever there was a man that Satan wanted to stop, it was Paul. I wonder whether you've ever read Paul's CV. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to give you one or two thoughts out of here. He says that he was hard-pressed on every side. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. Twice had 39 stripes laid on him, taken out of a city and stoned, but got up afterwards and shook himself and went to the next city and preached the word of God to the city. Why? Because he knew of a consolation in Christ that continued to deliver him. It was the comfort of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's that inner voice that says yes in our hearts. That encourages us to look for the yes and confess the yes, to believe for the yes. When everything around you is screaming no, it's not possible, it can't happen. This consolation in Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. There is a consolation in God. And it's in us. It's in you. And it's in me. It's the presence and it's the Spirit of God. I want to just give you three quick keys to focus on that will help you through your tribulation and give you consolation and comfort for others. Focus on God himself, number one. Focus on God himself and not trust in yourself. So many times when we're facing difficulties, you know, all we can can see is ourselves. We're trying to work everything out ourselves. We're, We're trying to work something up ourselves. But, you know, I believe, you know, to help us through our trials and our tribulations and our troubles, we need to focus on God himself and not... Just ourselves, not ourselves, nor anyone else or any other thing. Putting God first. Verse 3, who comforts us, who helps us and strengthens us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with comfort, with which we ourselves are comforted. 
I want to tell you this. If you haven't been through any trouble, if you haven't suffered any persecution, if you haven't been through the mill, then you have nothing to share and help anyone else with. Because it's through the troubles of life, through all kinds of tribulation that we face and have faced, that we have proved that our God, the God of all comfort, is a yes God for all of his promises. And that we have a testimony of his power of deliverance when everything around us was saying no. That's a comfort wherewith we are able to comfort others who are going through trouble. You know, we can empathize with them because we know what they're going through. We know what they're feeling because we have been there. If you haven't been there and proved God as your comforter, then you have nothing to comfort anyone else. Start reaching out to others. Take the focus off your need. As you focus on the Lord, start reaching out, loving others, praying for others, and being a comfort to others. And you will experience greater victory and deliverance in your own life. The Bible says that Job was healed when he prayed for his friends. It's as we reach out to others, as we give our time to to others, that God steps into our situation and he begins to bring out and bring us into victory. The second key to focus on and that will help us through is praise. You know, Paul says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. I want to tell you this, none of us would be here, as I said earlier, if it wasn't for his mercy. There is power in praising God. We bring heaven down to earth when we praise and worship him. For the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise him for his mercy, for his love and for his grace. Be thankful and bless his name through the pain and the suffering of the tribulation. And in in the midst of all of that, the God of all power and comfort will manifest his glory and his presence. Out of that glory flows everything you and I will need for our help and our restoration. Praise him in the morning. Praise him at noontime. Praise him in the evening. Praise him. Let your life be a life of praise and thanksgiving. And that's what will help you into victory. And the third and final key to focus on that will give you comfort and consolation in your tribulation is prayer. And not just your prayers. Paul says, but the prayers of many. Paul says, his deliverance was a gift granted to him through the prayers of many. In verse 11, prayer changes things. Prayer still makes a difference. Prayer brings the comforter into your situation and delivers you as we pray in the Holy Spirit. Peter was in prison. You know the story of of that situation and circumstance and how the church got together and they prayed for for the deliverance of Peter. And the Bible says that God sent an angel and delivered Peter out of that prison. And I believe it was because of the prayers of the saints 
that were praying for him in Jerusalem. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If my people, God says that, are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal that land. I want to tell you this, there's healing of your circumstances through prayer. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. There's great strength in prayer. We can do and be so caught up with our own problems that we forget others when we pray. But if we will pray and seek the Lord for others, he says that he will heal our land. Paul spoke about the gift of deliverance. I believe God has a gift for every one of us tonight. A gift of healing, a gift of new strength, a gift of deliverance, a gift of help, a gift of peace, a gift of whatever we need tonight. Just like Paul received that gift through the prayers of the saints. I believe that you can receive a gift. You can receive a yes tonight as we pray and as we seek the Lord. I wonder whether we can all stand together tonight. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.